live from Malifo Ringside, it's Friday Night Photon! I'm not petty over really insignificant things. I mean, if you're not petty over really insignificant things, what are you petty about? Like, that's the only that's thing true. to be petty about. That's true. Unless you're Tom. <laughs> and with that, welcome back to Friday Night Fodown. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. Huzzah. Speaking of things that are petty. <laughs> yes, we definitely are. Uh, I, for the evening, am totally Doug. I swear. I mean, Roman. Uh, we have given Doug and Victoria the night off to enjoy a much well-deserved vacation and break. And instead... With me tonight are Pa Luckett, <laughs> uh, Eli. Oh, I don't get a fancy name? Eli's pretty fancy. Mm, debatable. Three letters, how fancy can it be? Well, that's why it's so short. The letters themselves combine to epic fancifulness. Mm. Just imagine Eli written in a flowing script in, like, golden ink. <laughs> and finally, with extra exclamation point, Rob! It's Rob. It's Rob. Hey, welcome back, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm already drunk. Yeah, excellent. That's that's really what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that, that that's two drink minimum for Friday Night Photo. That's that's the steam powered scoundrel's promise. <laughs> what uh, oh, what oh. are we drinking this evening or morning, gentlemen? Time isn't real. Listen, don't expose that we're day drinking. <laughs> But for the truly curious, I have a Mountain Dew Spark Zero with vodka. So, you know, starting off strong. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I am greatly enjoying some uh, Irish, technically scotch coffee uh, that Eli made, and it is delightful. It's like having a campfire in your coffee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am the designated driver because I'm getting a pedicure after this. Nice. Ooh. And we're recording on a Saturday morning, guys. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steam Powered Scoundrels is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Rob, you're breaking the illusion. It's Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you hear the opening? Live from Malifaux Ringside, it's Friday but night photo. In my defense, I never went to bed. Mm. Oh, there you go. Uh, so it's still technically Friday night for you. That's how time works. Speaking of time, I'm remembering the thing that Doug always does of actually getting a timer ready. Oh, you coward. I specifically didn't get a timer ready, so I'd be <laughs> scrambling for it at the last minute. This is me scrambling for it at the last minute. I have anxiety. Oh, while Roman's scrambling with his anxiety, Eli, scramble with the first of our patrons. Ah, so yeah, that's me. I'm Eli. And I'm going to talk to you about Joe Root, who is, in fact, the uh, inspiration for the Mysterious Emissary. Not because of his name, but because of his appearance. <laughs> oh, no! Um, someone else who appears is Bennington Owens, who um, asks a lot of questions, Bennington. Why do you have so many darn questions? What are you trying to find out? The answer to all of Bennington's questions is, in fact, Chris Gilboy. What do we all take in our coffee? Chris, Chris Gilboy. Gilboy. Yeah. What did you have for breakfast today? Chris Gilboy. Who is your favorite tyrant? Chris Gilboy, I mean redacted, sorry. <laughs> Matt Pelela? That's good enough. Great. We're pretty sure. It's anybody's guess. <laughs> Great. Well, most people don't know about Matt is that he is actually a shrimp. Hmm. Huh. Mysterious. Which helps with the painting. 
Mm. Oh yeah. Your back curl. Just hold like one bristle in your in your shrimp hand. Sorry, I had to make a paella joke. Oh. <laughs> we know who isn't a shrimp, and that's Maurice Robinson, who is ten foot seven inches tall. Is that using the metric system? Yes. Okay. <laughs> ten metric feet. Yes, someone who's much better than using the metric system than me is Mike Entwistle. Uh, he's <laughs> also <laughs> he's also much better at being a meme smith of the highest order, and is in fact up for a knighthood uh, because of it. Mm. First to be knighted for me, Marie. Mm-hmm. So uh, next we have John Plunkett, who is uh, famous for creating. Uh, what is colloquially known as uh, Bayou Hockey, but was originally known as Plunkett and Run. (laughs) (laughs) And in doing so, is responsible for the uh, seventh highest number of gremlin deaths of any uh, any denizens of the Bayou. Oh. Nice. Is that that Uh, all together in one instance? uh, All together, he is. In inventing the game, he has caused that many deaths. Somar is, of course, higher. Mm -hmm. Naturally. Also culpable for numerous deaths is Robert Singer, <laughs> who is a world-grade mixed martial artist. Not because he actually studied mixed martial arts, but because he took several martial artists and mixed them into a bowl and devoured their essence. One of the one of, one of those uh, martial artists that I put into the bowl and took the most power from because, well, the technique was the most interesting was Klaus Swanlund. What was that technique? I have to know. You'll never know. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm kind of terrified now. Speaking of techniques, Michael Roper is especially known for developing a rare, rare painting technique where one moves the bristles of the paintbrush with their mind. Sadly, it only comes into effect with stippling. Oh, I guess you get to really work on your comic style then in a very old-fashioned way speaking of old-fashioned ways i have it on good authority that craig chuba has developed a future version of the old-fashioned cocktail Ooh. uh it if you drink it it actually makes you go back in time to when the old-fashioned was first created but unfortunately the ingredients for it will not be available until 3023 mm. uh is it then called the new fashioned I don't know yet. We'll we'll find out when we get there. Cool. Sean Fisher is next on the list, and I just think everyone should know that uh, earthquakes are his fault. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all there is. Earthquakes are his fault. Next up is Philip Travis, who has constructed, in secret, a giant monolith. No one knows where it is, but it's right behind you. At all times. Do, 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 do. Meanwhile, we've found this information out through the excellent ghost whispering of Joe Hadfield. He didn't ask them any questions. They just kind of showed up and started talking to him. He honestly would like them to shut up, please. Yeah. Next, we have Austin Martin, who is actually, most people don't know this, the greatest cartographer in the world. He just hasn't got started yet. Oh. <laughs> Dane Leergaard is uh, actually royalty. Uh, and it's interesting. You know, there's the whole legend of a true royal princess is so sensitive they can feel a pee under their mattress. Well, Dane Leergaard is so sensitive 
he can tell when someone has peed on his mattress. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Getting away from the toilet humor and back into the kitchen, Chase Ferrario has finally, after several millennia worth of work, perfected the perfect chocolate truffle. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. You know who hasn't perfected the perfect chocolate truffle? That's John Haas. That's because he spends most of his time looking for truffles, the mushrooms. He is the number one finder of truffles in the continental United States. I'm assuming this means he's going to play Ulick soon. Yes, absolutely. He's actually the inspiration. Got it. John, we'll we'll find you and get you started on that soon. Uh, Next on the list, we have Eli. His name was actually supposed to originally be Elijah, but as soon as he was born, his parents looked at him and said, "Mm mm-mm. Six letters is too many. He'll never be able to remember that. So they shortened it to Eli. Ooh. He doesn't get a ja. That's too many letters. Next, we have Craig Shipman. Most people do know this about Craig, which is that he loves to camp, and he loves to camp for gamers. But what they don't know is that it's really hiding the fact that he secretly wants to glamp. Glamp for gamers. <laughs> All the friends that he has at Camping for Gamers right now, as we record this, don't even know that Craig is rushing back to the actual campsite from the Airbnb that he's been renting the entire time so that he has plumbing and a nice cozy bed and air conditioning. So as soon as everybody goes to sleep, he rushes over, goes into a soft bed, his nice jacuzzi hot tub, and then has a nice little evening, a little nightcap, wakes up in the morning, fresh squeezed orange juice, <laughs> maybe a smoothie, a uh, nice big pancake breakfast, gets to take a nice morning dump in an actual toilet, <laughs> and then drive all the way back to the campsite, get into his tent, and then just get stretch, be like, ah, oh, good morning, breakfast, anyone? This information we have secretly... From Tom Petty himself. Meanwhile, also from Tom Petty, who for some reason is is just covering gamer news, I've just received word that the Nick Westbrook has completed his 30th lap around the Earth. Uh, This is for charity, specifically for creepy children in burned-down orphanages in Malifaux Mm. uh, to support them. And Yeah, the, the trick is he's not going around at the equator. He's actually going around at one of the poles. I'm not sure which but he just kind of runs around in a circle to stay warm. It's only taken like three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going, Nick. We support you. <laughs> and you support the children in the burned-down orphanage. Good for you, Nick. If you increase, if you, if you increase your pa- uh, patronage of Steam-powered scoundrels, a, pro- a portion of the proceeds go directly towards Nick's charity of choice. But you know who doesn't support <laughs> orphans? Ambrose Ingram. <laughs> Ambrose Ingram, in fact, chooses to make more orphans, because he's really trying to make sure we get one Batman in our lifetime. <laughs> I, I just hope it's Batman and not the immortal Iron Fist. Oof. Mm. Yeah, he, he, he Iron Fisted once, and that just did not go well for anyone. It, what really concerns me is the lack of explanation as to how he's creating the orphans. Because it can go... One of two ways. Well, you gotta go. You gotta get creative, man. You can't just have one orphan creating method. <clears throat> oh boy. 
And with that, we've uh, finished talking about all of our lovely patrons. Those are all entirely true fake facts uh, that you can look up on the Malifaux equivalent of Wikipedia Mm -hmm. that I don't know the website to. But that will lead us into the main focus of the Friday Night Fodown episode, the actual Fodown. For those of you who are listening for the first time, welcome, and go back and listen to more, because we're very much funnier other times that are not while we're currently recording. But we have an hour on the clock. We have a bunch of questions for us to discuss and bullshit about from either our brains or our Discord, which you should totally join because they are great and it's a wonderful community. But first, timer starting now. Who's up first? I believe Eli's it's Eli. Oh, yes. that was a poor choice. I was not ready. Listen, that's what Google said. Uh, fuck Google. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with make up a new general action. What does it Ooh. do? In my new general action that every model can take, uh, it's called Surrender. And it takes one AP. It ends their action, but uh, the next turn, it is now on your opponent's side of the game. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, that's... um, That, that takes literal minutes of playtesting to balance, and I wholly <laughs> approve. <laughs> that couldn't cause any weird fuckery with no, any strats no or schemes or anything. <laughs> Certainly not. I'm up next, and I think my new general action is going to be Caber Toss. This is... Essentially, I looked at Slam and said, this doesn't move things far enough. We need more shenanigans here. Uh, What this is, is you take the size of your model, and you focus on a non-destructible, impassable piece of terrain. You have to take it from within an inch of it. And the target number is however many inches you want to place that away. Amazing. (laughs) <laughs> so essentially this is this is move indestructible terrain but the uh equivalent of uh what's the thing perdita does to shoot uh scheme uh, markers off target practice target or, practice, or trick one. shot something target practice so it's that but you're throwing hoffman's pylons like way the hell away i mean theoretically um, you can get up to what 18 inches depending on how tall you are yeet yeet oh um. <laughs> Let's see. What do I... Let's see. I think mine. I'm going kind of a semi-practical route here. Probably something like dodge or hit the ground. So, the model that takes this action gains staggered, but gains two shielded as a dodge for cover. Nice. I like that, honestly. That's it. That's fun. Easy. That's all I got. I'm a hack and a fraud. I'm not funny. (laughs) I'm going to go with something a little, little out there. But I think it would be interesting, to say the least. The action would be called... Well, actually, let me... I don't have a good name for the action. So let me describe what it would do. You take an action, and you could not take the action if you have focused. Okay? Okay. But you take the action, and it gives you a... It would actually introduce a new condition. Um, Basically, the next attack that you make, you get to double the damage. Oh! Okay. Oh. But you can't do it with focus, so mm-hmm. you're you're either betting that they flip low and you flip high, or cheat high, or you're doubling your min damage. Mm-hmm. Most often. Alright, I, I kind of dig that, honestly. It's a bit it's a bit gambly, but without, at least in my ten seconds I would say I'd probably it. discard a card to do it. Alright keep a little of the balance there because it is powerful but it's not like 
Yeah. Ugh, that's terrifying. <laughs> no, terrifying's already a rule, Nate. And with that, we're back to my actual pick. Uh, what minion deserves an enforcer or a henchman version? And I think my idea for this is, uh, there's a lot of good ones, but I think the December Acolyte, we, we need an enforcer Acolyte, like, I don't know, not a high priest, but like a mid priest with a harpoon, like scepter or something just straight up eats people like can do grim feast, but off of other living models instead of off of a, a corpse marker. Munching on people. Yeah, just clearly has the... Tear off a bite. Exactly. Has tear off a bite. Built in. Mm Mm-hmm. Some kind of a a movement shenanigan, kind of like Raspy's new thing, where you can... Basically, they already know the path through the snowstorm, so they're helping other people move through it faster. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Gunfighter. No, no, no. Let's not get crazy. That would be too much. (laughs) (laughs) Also, there's a, a little mention on the bottom of this of Robert Singer can never play this model. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What would I like to see? The interesting thing, especially like looking at Bayou is we already have a lot of that. Mhm. Like I was my first thought was Swine Curse, but we Alphonse is kind of already that in a way. Ish, yeah. Yeah. Ish. Um Sammy is already that for Bokor. Yeah, Sammy's basically like a Bokor slash um, lightning bug super character yeah. type. So you know what? We have wrestlers with Mancha Roja. Well, what about an Iron Skeeter captain? Ooh, and I think I think this is where we can get we can get Zip a, as an outcast model because I think we get some kind of human character on an Iron Skeeter. Make it. Oh my gosh. Make it the Malifaux child used to be. <laughs> nice. Yes. Oh, that'd be funny. Like an orphan or something. I could see that. A kid, just a kid riding around on an iron skeeter. Yep. Oh, that'd be funny. It'd be cute. So yeah, that, that's my that's my vote. Oh no, that that's totally the uh, the little necromancer. If they like stuck with the the bayou, mm. riding around on an iron skeeter. I love it. Let's do this. So we just give Marlena infamous as well. Yeah. Hell and yeah. flight. <laughs> If this model is hired into a uh, infamous crew, they gain flight. Yeah. Yeah. Make Marlene infamous, you cowards. Or jockey. <laughs> but, no, 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 but keep her in Outcast so that yeah, yeah, Zip yeah, actually yeah, has yeah. Outcast infamous models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep her yellow. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Just also give her infamous for no clear lore reason yet. <laughs> All right, Rob, hit us. What you got? All right. I am going to go with Waldgeist. Mm-hmm. Nice. Don't you want to see a big, scary, treant-type model in Malifaux that both Titania and Zoraida or Yedza can take? Because I do. You could have, like, all the, like, creepy, like, you know, voodoo doll witch stuff, like, hanging from, you know, the tree boughs and, you know, have a big slam... I think it would also be interesting that give it a low movement, but it can travel between severe terrain. So you just want to take the Kurgan and the uh, Aramanthian boar and just jam them together. I like this because there's no large, uh, there's no large tree models in Neverborn. Mm-hmm. We don't have None like whatsoever. an emissary or the bad juju or the Kurgan or anything like that. Yeah, or Stumpy, <laughs> or Stumpy. Well, that's Bayou. True, but it is a swamp fiend. It is a swamp fiend. Yep. You're right. Sorry, Rob. 
No, it's fine. But still, I still haven't seen it. That's because the that's, mysterious emissary just doesn't exist to me. Sorry, oof. sorry, Matt. Sorry, Kyle. Oof. That's the point of Friday Night Throwdown. We shit on each other's ideas. <laughs> Speaking of shitting on people's ideas, what do you got, Eli? All right, <laughs> I'm ready. So I, uh, I think I want a uh, a larger version of the Razor Spine Rattlers, but Marx <laughs> has been getting creative, and so now we have the uh, the Razor Spine Hydra. Ooh, nice derivative. I love this idea. I love this idea, except that that would mean that he could actually run a poison build yeah, that, yeah, that, like, would, that would be cohesive. And See, I, that, my, that's I, not legal. I went, I went a different direction, and I guess you kind of get this if you gave, uh, you give a razor spine rattler the the feathered wings, and I went razor spine Quetzalcoatl. Ooh. Ooh, but I figure you can kind of already do that. Yeah, so there's a, there's a, a reason most of the things in his crew don't have flying. It's because you can give it to you them. Staple it on, yeah. So yeah, the, no, I actually dig the the razor spine Hydra essentially. Razor Spine Golem! I think doubling down on the armored plates and have the Razor Spine Tortoise. Yes. I like, I like the idea of uh, head tokens, though, that, like, increase defense, willpower, and size, but decrease movement speed. Mmm. Mm. gets harder to move. I dig with that. Lame. <laughs> I kid. It's actually pretty cool. I'm getting my mythologies mixed up. For the, the Quetzalcoatl uh, idea, would that be an Azteca piece for the crew, or would you have to Inca the card yourself? Alright, we're canceling Roman. <laughs> Moving on to something funny. Uh, I don't know about funny again. I'm a, a hack and a fraud. Let's see. Uh, to your point earlier, Eli... It's not as if Marcus has ever created a multi-headed monster before, either. No. <laughs> not no. once. Not even once. I mean, that's really all he does, is add extra limbs and heads. He and McMorning have a lot more in common than I think he likes to admit. Yeah. I'm going to do, much in the vein of Dark Bet Lynch and Huggy, pick another Master and Totem pairing to switch their power dynamic. And how Ooh. does that look? And I think we're going to go with Zoraida and the Voodoo Doll. Ooh. Mm, neat. And it, 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 the way this ends up going is Zoraida ends up pumping a bunch of too much magic into one Voodoo Doll. She decides to see what happens if you make a Voodoo Doll of yourself. Oh. And accidentally puts her entire power and consciousness into the Voodoo Doll. So the Voodoo Doll is now the power and leader of the crew. And Zoraida is a brain-dead puppet. I can exactly see why she would do this, too. She just wanted to go on a vacation from dealing <laughs> with the Bayou politics shit. It was like, they're gonna keep coming asking me for questions. I just need, like, a placeholder here to to just throw curses at them whenever they get snarky. ask all their weird questions snarky. this doll, and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. I like that. That mean I'm next? That uh, does mean you're yep. next. Great. All right, so this one... This one even has a little story to oh it. Oh boy, story time. All right, so Cornelius and Bernadette Bass getting into a, a scrap of firefight in the, the Badlands, and Bass, uh, you know, because magic and soul stones, etc., as he's kicking up a dust cloud marker, um, gets, uh, gets shot directly in his, like, pile of soul stones, penetrates but the soul stones also like start in you know the the little shrap bits of shrapnel start infecting his bloodstream and 
Bernadette thinks dad's gone, has to pick up his gun, continue the fight, finds the strength in her to do more than she thought capable, but still finds herself outwitted, overmatched, until an entire twister behind her saves the day. The twister talks, because it's Bass, who somehow turned into a moving, almost sand golem twister-type creature, and he is now the totem. And, mechanically speaking, he would be on something like, you know, 40 or 50 mil. He would project a hazardous aura, like a hazardous severe aura, and be kind of like a little bit of a, a tar pit type character, but insignificant, can't, you know, uh, account for scoring and such, but be the person that uh, Bernadette can actually, like, move around with dust cloud markers, and she can then uh, ignore friendly fire when shooting at things that he is up against or in- engaged with. So that's my idea. Hmm. All right. Bass turns nice. into a tornado. Hell yeah. Nice. Certainly a twist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, weirder shit has happened in Malifaux. You're not. Yep. Plus, Bernadette would be useful. Oof. Oof. Big oof. All right. All right. My idea for the Captain Totem Switch Captain Zip and Earl Burns. This was my first thought. <laughs> See, uh, Earl completely disobeys one of Zip's orders because it was definitely going to get him killed uh, while Zip wasn't looking. And then realizes, oh shit, I'm going to get killed anyway for ignoring Zip's order. So what he does is he says, that was a really good idea, Cap. And uh, Zip's like, yeah, that was a good idea. The whole crew saw this happen. And so slowly and surely, he just becomes the guy giving all the orders. And everyone just acts like Zip is the one giving the orders. So Zip doesn't know he's not the master anymore. Oh, that is very funny. He very much thinks that he's in charge. And he's getting more glory than he had originally because people are surviving and praising him for it. I kind of love this. Not to mention the uh, first mate gets fed a lot better now that Earl's in charge. (laughs) Nice. There's a lot of good ones to think about here. Dove Masters. Oh, that was my first thought. That was definitely my first thought. (laughs) Just like the... The birds just take over, and like Colette starts teleporting her around whenever they want her there. No, the birds hold Colette's consciousness, and the Colette model is actually just an illusory an projection. Oh, wonderful! I love it. Uh, I think what I'm actually going to go with is, in part, due to her need for a rest after reading the totally safe, censored, crazy book. Uh, Maxine takes a backseat to Orville, who is going to take a few more hands-on flying scouting missions for the crew. Uh, So he kind of becomes a more sane, tactical zip, playstyle-wise, and she gets to do, like, portaling around uh, the other models in the crew as the totem. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Tried to throw off my my usual, uh, like, three to five masters there. Think someone knew. <laughs> go, go out. I did. I I have to say, I thought initially of like Dreamer and Chompy or uh, Ivan and Mordrake, but then mm. that's literally exactly the same thing as Lynch and Huggy. Yeah, basically. Yep. yep. <laughs> this the spooky monster takes power. Crazy. Who'd have seen that coming? 
well, that that's why I didn't do raspy because you yeah. know oh December is finally in the Wendigo right the uh-huh. Wendigo is just December now yeah yeah uh, Rob your topic all right this one I think is really cool so we're gonna go with it if you could pitch the devs on one idea for a spinoff game that doesn't exist hasn't been teased miniature related or not what would it be so I will start with my idea. So we know that Malifaux has all these like ancient ruins, so many ruins that have not been explored. And you've got folks like McCabe and the Explorer Society, and then you've got you know um, other interested parties, but mostly the Explorer Society. So we'll we'll focus there. So my idea would be that you that they create a roguelike oh yeah board game. Where okay. you, you know, kind of scenario based as well, where you have to explore these terrifying ruins. And so you can get, find upgrades and things like that as you like continue to die or, you know, and soul stones bring you back or whatever it is. But yeah, I think something like that where it's very challenging, there's like scary monsters and bosses and things like that. And try and capture, like, the feel of both, like, a roguelike, but also capture the feel of, like, you know, a Souls-like. And I think with, like, the mechanics, especially even, like, just doing, like, stuff with cards and things like that, you know, having really, really, really challenging, like, you know, fights and boss battles and, like, little puzzles that you have to also figure out and stuff. Some sort of, like, you know, Descent meets Malifaux, but more, you know, more brutal than something mm-hmm. like Descent, like, way more brutal. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then provides opportunity for miniatures as well, and to tell, like, some interesting stories, you know, because uh, you could base it either on, like, existing faux characters or introduce those characters into faux as well. Absolutely. And you could mm-hmm. even, like, expand it to, like, other, you know, factions. But I think Explorers or, like, just, you know, the Malifaux, you know, the, the University or something like that is, like, the you know, basis, and then you can play archetypal characters, right? Like, you know, the researchers need to hire some outcasts and, like, some hired guns, or, you know, they hire a union miner because they know how to, like, tunnel, you know? I like that. That's real good. Yeah. All right. So, for me, the one thing I really want more of for Malifaux is more fluff, more story. But we already have a a role-playing game. So, my thought is do some kind of, like, a Telltale game. Ooh. Ooh. But yes. Malifaux style. And that could be oh. either a video game or a, like, a, a choose-your-own-path type board game. Mm-hmm. But something that lets you be, you know, uh, k- kind of like Rob's roguelike, where you're, like, a, a, an archetype character. You're not obviously playing as the Masters, but where you have to encounter them a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a cool way to expand the fluff and get some story in there while letting you experience it as a, a nameless character. Yeah, I could I could absolutely see a Malifaux Telltale game. Yeah. Like, that'd be really good. Yep. Yeah. I think the... I'm, I'm also venturing into the video game area. I'm imagining, like, an adventure game, but, like, mixed with a turn-based Final Fantasy-style RPG, where you build your party like you would build a crew but you can kind of start on like different factions to start with. So you can kind of pick your area, almost, almost an Octopath Traveler, but 
I'm mixing the adventure in there, adventure style, think like Zelda, where it's not always fighting. You have to move around your people in, like, different puzzles and junk to make their different non-fighting things work. But that would also be a good way to expand the fluff, which we all want more of, uh, and similar to the, the Telltale game style, like, get that into the video game area, you're getting the fluff out to more people, which then can get them into more... It It's almost like a gateway to the miniature-style game, because you're right. messing with multiple different people. I mean, any any Malifaux video game that made any decent success would, I mean, basically have the Dawn of War to 40k effect. Yeah. You, you have public awareness. Like, that's just that's just the nature of the beast. I thought the nature of the beast was nothingness. <sighs> <laughs> but my idea, Operation University of Transmortis Edition. <laughs> <laughs> Yes! Oh, the oh McMorning expansion. Uh, I think we're back at the top, Eli. Topic number I was going to say, I'm, I'm very surprised that I didn't hear just make Bullet a game. Mm, mm, I could also, I'm, yeah. A nice that kind of writes itself. Bullet kit. <laughs> <laughs> it comes with a gun. And a, a huge contract that you have to sign before actually opening the box. Yeah. Weird takes no legal liability for anything <laughs> that happens. You gotta get a background check before you buy the game. Also, like, automatically signs you up for, uh, like, organ donation, except for your <laughs> liver. <laughs> oh, jeez. Alright. Uh, which five masters would you love to see play D&D on a stream? Ooh. Okay. And and who's the DM? And who's the DM? <laughs> so, I want to see, I want to see Tony Ironsides in there. Mm-hmm. Because I want to see her, uh, Play the face of the party. <laughs> yes. I want to see Anya in there to constantly try to make things difficult for Tony. Obviously a rogue. I would like to see uh, Lucius in there also trying to... Actually, you know what? Can I Can I make... I know it says henchman. Can I make Lucius the DM? Does sure. No, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Lucius no, is the yeah. DM. Go, go off script. That's fine. That makes perfect sense. So then we got... Bass playing the cleric. Yeah, he would try to keep everything together. <laughs> yep. You got Molly in there, who's trying to uh, tame all of the animals they come across and be <laughs> friends with him. Mm-hmm, and despite mm-hmm. Lucius trying to make it not work, it somehow works every fucking time. <laughs> and then you got uh, you got Brewmaster in there, who is in character, making all the potions that the crew needs, and in life, mixing up all the drinks for everybody. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hero of Malifaux. Heck yeah. That's a good one. Uh, let's see. For my for my party. Come on, I left Colette open there for you. I, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm just deciding where she's going. So I think I'm making... Yeah, we're making Brewmaster the, the Dungeon Master. Because it already works name-wise. And that means they're playing at his place, which means the entire bar is open. And he already has the... the like big setup of all the different miniatures and stuff for the table. I feel like he goes, he, he actually has the moon shinobi set up the map. Like as they go, nobody can see them like quickly changing walls out for the secret doors and stuff. Oh yeah. And he knows exactly who to slip the right drink to at the right time. Brewie would be extra as fuck as a dungeon master. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, so you got him as, as the DM you have, 
I feel like Colette is actually playing the like barbarian just so she's not being the face for once mm-hmm. and is just really good at it because it's she's not using all of her brain power to go, how can I get around these things? I just run in and smash. Uh, you got that. You got, weirdly enough, you have McMorning, but he's playing the the wizard because <laughs> he he's not doing the necromancer thing. He's doing like, look at me in my arcane power. He dragged Marcus into it. Marcus is playing the rogue. And then to round them out with the cleric, because she showed up late, and that was what they needed. You have Sonya Crid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, flame strike. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play a cleric, but I'm playing a fire cleric. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And and then she's I, I feel like the idea of her like picking a deity is just funny. She's like, there is no power greater than knowledge. <laughs> she just melts her dice every time she rolls a critical failure. <laughs> she rolls a one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right in front of yep. everyone. And everyone's just like, oh God, she's the she's the player that microwaved their dice to see if they can make them roll better. <laughs> yep. Oh, hang on, hang on. That was only that was four and the DM. I got one more, and that is a twofer. That's the Vix. Yeah. They show up together and they are playing the face of the party. They're playing <laughs> one character and they do the thing where they're like finishing each other's sentences. Yep. Oh, geez. That's a good one. That's a good yep. set. I like that. Thank you. All right. So here's 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 my here's my my party. Here's here's my 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 cadre of gamers. Gamers. Somer Thief Jones <laughs> playing a human fighter. <laughs> Dashiell Parker playing a human fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Justin Cooper playing a human fighter. <laughs> and Leopold von Schill playing a human fighter. <laughs> And who's who you ask is going to be DMing this this party of murder hobos? Molly Squidgepidge. <laughs> <laughs> and she is going to lead them. She's going to corral these Chad Manly men and just run them through the most harrowing, terrifying, and heartbreaking adventure that any of them have ever experienced in their lives. I like it. That's real good. Is that is that only five characters? Uh, four characters. Or four, four characters? Oh, do I need one more? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Who's the... Uh, you forgot Shen Long, the human fighter. Ah, yeah. Shen Long <laughs> playing human fighter. Thank you. <laughs> good call. <sighs> monk, think... player, monk players everywhere, like, shots fired. <laughs> Both in D&D and Malifaux. Yep. Oh uh, no! Th- throw throw off the human fighter. He's the no, weird he- one. He plays the the dragonborn fighter. <laughs> kobold. He's a kobold fighter. Shen Long is the one person who actually read the rule book and all every other source book, and is making more than just the surface level broken character. He's making the deep broken character. Yep. <laughs> yep. That fits. But again, none of it matters because Molly's just going to break their brains with terror. <laughs> none of their big hitting things matter when it's your mind turning against you. Yeah, I feel like they're they're all playing with D and D books, and she's playing like with a Call of Cthulhu book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's 
she, she they've all got D and D characters and character sheets. She pulls out Mage the Awakening. Oh no, <laughs> we're gonna get weird tonight, kids. Rob, who's your table? All right. So I actually have a slightly similar, but way more chaotic to to Nate's. <laughs> so the table is going to include Seamus. Yep. Mick Morning. Yep. Yep. It is also going to include Nelly. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> it is going to also have Yoko. Oh no. All right. And it's going to have Colette. Okay. Okay. It's quite the table. All five of them are playing horny bards. <laughs> yes. Varying degrees, you know, some of them are like the sword bards, others, you know. Yeah. Uh, but all of them, uh, you know, obviously, uh, McMorning is probably playing, you know, like the, you know, scimitar fighter one, but he uses his scalpels or something, and he's, like, really creepy. I can see him, like, taping a scalpel to, like, his minifigure on the yep. table. Mm-hmm. Full-size uh, well, scalpel. Well, and, you know, he would, he would actually probably go, like, the college of lore right because then he can take a spell from any oh god yeah you know, probably he and and Seamus both did that so that they can like you know break the game and have a bunch of necromancy spells you know McMorning would be playing a warforged because he would probably be really excited about the idea of a living organism that can modify itself as a horny bard Seamus playing human and then Yoko of course would play something like a a half elf and Colette probably an elf Mm-hmm. And then who was the fifth that I mentioned? Oh, Nelly. Nelly, of course. Nelly, of course, would get really cheeky and she'd play like a gnome. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But because of the chaos of how pretty much awful everybody at this table would be, except for no, Colette, no, no. probably. Uh, Nelly's but, playing um, a Goliath. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. But to corral. And heard these cats, you need Catelyn Abernathy. <laughs> I like it. Oh, God. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm actually, I'm going to swap one out. Instead of Colette. Sorry, Colette. Sorry, Colette. Instead of Colette, Zoraida. There you mm. go. Yeah. That's like a mid-season swish. Col- Colette has too many scheduling issues, so Zoraida comes in to cover. She's in, she's yep. in too many games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Zoraida, though, also burning to play a horny bard, but she's also the kind of player who insists that her chibi voodoo doll also have a character sheet. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> who is also playing a mini horny bard. She, yep. she found a, a bard subclass that gives you an animal companion. Yeah. Yep. 100%. I just want to say that the way I the way I see this happening is you've got Seamus, uh, McMorning, and Nelly all being like the blah blah do crazy things thing, and like on the surface, Yoko and Zoraida are doing that, but like they're both secretly trying to manipulate the party in different ways to do different things. Somehow those two always come out on top. <laughs> it's really just like underneath it is a game of chess between those yep, two. Yep, yep, where they have to both cooperate but they're also scheming against each other yeah meanwhile caitlin abernathy sees that going on and her cats are of course everywhere on the table while they're playing knocking dice over knocking dice over exactly or or like making them hit the wrong number for key key things to make more nonsense happen dice is toddling on a 20 cat bats it it rolls to a one chewing on the corner of the character Mm -hmm, sheets mm -hmm. you know 
stealing pencils. House rule of if a cat knocks your character over, it's prone now. <laughs> oh, no. oh no, buttons barfed on your character sheet. <laughs> I guess you don't have those abilities. <laughs> oh, that's good. I love that. All right, so for my next one, you are setting up the next person in the rotation with someone from Malifaux on a blind date. Who and why? Oh. Let's see here. Oh, no. Yep. So, Nate is going on a blind date. I think we're going to go... Yeah, no, we're, we're going to go with Lynch. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> we're... we're... We're going to say you start the night with OG, so he's cognizant, and depending on where you go, you'll end up with a dark debt by the end of it. Well, I get to do a lot of drugs on the way there. Yeah. Well, the, I'm, what I'm imagining is, like, you show up for the blind date, and he and and McCabe are both discussing who has it worse in life at the bar, and it ends up being just all three of you hanging out all evening. <laughs> okay. All right. I can I can accept that. I just gotta, I just gotta keep an eye on Lynch and make sure it doesn't slip me anything. How did this uh, brilliance get into your insulin? It's a tentacle crawling up your pant leg. Hey, stop it. Are you flirting with me, Jacob? Are you trying to seduce me, Mr. Lynch? It's only our first date. I don't know. This is some pretty hardened brilliance. I don't jump to tentacles until the second date. You you missed a great opportunity, Roman, here, because you should have said Paul Crockett, so that it would have been a doppel date. Yeah, no, that's fair. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. <laughs> yeah, no, tur- turns out the, the blind date there is actually just the doppelganger, but in trying to recreate Nate just becomes Paul Crockett. <laughs> the card changes to Paul Crockett. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Uh, and in that moment, right. Nate realized that both he and Paul were mimics. <laughs> Are we the next fix? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, Rob. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm sending you out. You're, you're, you're headed to the swamp for a date. Because on the surface, when you first get there, you think you think it's Trixabelle. But she's actually being a wing a wing woman for Maris LaCroix. <laughs> oh, God. Wing woman. God damn it. But I think you'll find Maris is truly sweet. You know, here's the thing. If she takes me for a ride on the rocket and serenades me to a whole new world, uh, I'll be fine. Oh, man. I'll be fine. Up you go, man. You're 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 taller than her, so she gets plus one to her stat when she you know takes you on up. As long as she whispers in my ear, don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> Question is, does she then take a ride on your rocket? Hey. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> you want to see if you get to that demise explosive? <laughs> <laughs> the little demise, if you will. God. <laughs> All right, Rob, who's Eli going on a date with? All right. Eli would absolutely have to be settled on a date with none other than his favorite master in all of Malifaux. I'm concerned. Rasputina. (laughs) (laughs) And at first she comes across as a little cold, but he's able to break the ice with some great well-timed questions and... Later discover that as things are going really well and finds out there's a lot of depth to her and they actually share a lot in common and much to Eli's surprise, he discovers that, wow, he never thought it before, but he really enjoys being ice pillared. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Finds out later he has a, uh, he has a hole in his pants and he just looks at her and asks, Euripides? (laughs) He didn't notice because they were at such a cool party. 
All right, Eli, time to get your revenge. <laughs> All right. I got two answers for Roman. Ooh, double date. Excellent. So my first answer is Sonya, simply because, <laughs> simply because I know that you can handle that level of bondage and BDSM. <laughs> oh, man, that would be... That would be a trip. Hot. Yep. My second answer, <laughs> more of an experiment, I'd put you up with Nelly just to see who could out-talk the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a long, that is a long fucking night yep. of just talking. Nothing just ever puns. happens. They are, just dinner. they are at dinner. They are at dinner for four hours. Yep. And the waiter just wants them to fucking go. <laughs> no, nope, we're just eating the breadsticks. <laughs> it is, it is midnight and you are at the Olive Garden, sir and ma'am. Please leave. Uh, Sonya's just over in the corner at that point, waiting for the safe word from either one of us, which is to the entire Hamlet soliloquy is the safe word. Oh, no. (laughs) I hate all of this. But she can still do whatever she wants until you complete the soliloquy. I am the one. I am the one who is suffering. (laughs) Oh, Eli, that was a gift. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. I guess it's my topic. Yeah, because Roman decided yeah. to subject all of you to that. Subject all of us to that. I miss Doug. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with with Bonanza Brawl or the um what is it, the Honeypot Casino Brawl that they have listed for Gen Con. With that officially mm-hmm. supported by yeah. Weird and on their schedule. Which you all should come play at, you cowards. Yes. Come 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 to the Bonanza Brawl on, on Sunday at Gen Con if you're gonna be there. We will. We would love to see you. But what other events or scenarios or formats would you like to see run at conventions? I think I could definitely see a team tournament, but I feel like that's probably Rob's answer. <laughs> it one hundred percent is Rob's answer. <laughs> I do have a backup though. I could definitely see at this point being you know three gaining grounds in, presumably a new one coming out on the horizon, mixing up some of the strats and schemes and doing like a mixed format mm-hmm. with a little bit of everything. And hell, even like I could even see doing like I don't know how you would manage it, but like a like a basically like a story tournament. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, especially for like a big a big convention where like you could you know factions represent something, and there would be some kind of outcome for a, the faction to win. You know, factions on podium and probably faction on spoon as well, just for fun. As far as like a potential push for the next story or character or something, kind of like they did with the global events, I could see that doing it doing that at certain tournaments, even if you have to do it over a couple couple of the big cons like nova gen con yeah that'd be cool uh, Las I like Vegas that. open stuff like that i could see setting up a couple story tournaments where something is determined by the end i dig that do you know all right team tournament team tournaments definitely i i i loved the back in 2e all the team tournaments that they would run at uh adepticon and it's just a fun super fun format and i just haven't seen them at conventions in 3e even though they are officially in the gaining ground stuff I do have a couple other ideas that I think would be fun, which is I would love to see a return to the feeling and honestly the gameplay of original henchman hardcore. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like Plant Explosives kind of gets away from like the purpose, which is like, you know, create the fastest, killiest, tankiest list you can that and play it really fast. Right. Um, I've won so many henchmen hardcores by just doing strat and strat denial and 
not doing the schemes. And so whether that looks like just get rid of the strat and have assassinate and vendetta be the only ways to score or just do, you know, rename it, but do the original turf war of, you know, you score a point for, you know, being in the middle, being in the middle. And that yeah. would encourage, you know, yeah, I think well, well, plant explosives is a great scheme. I think it doesn't benefit henchman hardcore because henchman hardcore is just too, the model counts too small where you, 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 you can send a model who can just avoid everything and not yep. play the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas if you make something where everyone has to get to the middle and brawl, I think that and interact the yeah. game better. Yeah. So yeah, so those, those two big ones. I also think it would be really fun to see some sort of like randomized, you build a crew and then you're assigned like two or three random masters and you got to run the crew with that master. That's interesting. Kind of like a quick master draft or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everything would be provided, but like, you know. Mm-hmm. A draft format would be very interesting of some yeah. kind or another anyways. Yeah. Yeah. However, however it would end up be doing, it probably would be ridiculous and weird, but yeah, it could yes. definitely be very interesting. You have a limited set of models from each faction, and you just draft, you draft those around, like you do a master draft, and then like a henchman draft, and then so on and so forth, until you get a weird subset of whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would say for something like that, you do it as like thirty-five stone games, so that yeah. it goes a little yeah, bit something, faster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something quick and nonsense. That's me. Okay, so I'm drawing my inspiration from if anybody's ever watched, you know, the the Yu-Gi-Oh anime where they. Okay. Uh, they never actually play by the rules of the game. They just sort of throw <laughs> stuff out there because, hey, it sounds this thing's got wings. It's flying over your guy with a sword. Why not? You, are you going to argue with me? Nobody knows how Yu Gi Oh is actually played. So I propose Malifaux, Fluff and Bluff, Ooh. in which you pre make cards for your characters, filling them with whatever abilities uh, you think work for that for that model, and you have. Just, again, for speed, 35 Soulstone crew. Uh, the key is your opponent can't see the cards that you've you've made. So as you're playing, you can bluff <laughs> that you had this ability for sure, for sure, from the beginning. The time. But each table has their own, like, TO. So you can call out your opponent and say, I don't think they put that on the card. I don't think that's that actually there. That sounds fake. That sounds very situational, <laughs> and they probably made it up. And then there's, like, you know, a punishment for if they were lying, or if you called a bluff, that wasn't a bluff. Oh, that's... I mean, realistically, the game you want is Moonstone, but that is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I want that to exist now. Oh. <laughs> I guess that's me. Okay, uh, my serious quick answer for this is bans, because I still think it should just be part of the, the core rules since uh, Dual Masters exists, and instead of shying away from it we should go here's a way to reward understanding at least for your part like what keyword you don't want to see across the table from whatever you're playing uh my more fun answer is so the the scoundrels discord did this in a a form the a while ago the cowards brawl Mm. uh where essentially you're playing a regular game but beforehand you uh have a randomizer pick you a non-master, non-totem model and say, this gets the keyword that that you're playing. And like all instances of saying the friendly keyword on its card count as your keyword. And 
that just sounds it, it it's similar to the draft but it's like one model in that specific keyword and i didn't get a chance to play in this but from what i heard and some of the the combos i saw it was it just looked like stupid fun Very yeah good. yeah rob you're back up for a new topic all right there's two i really like but i'm gonna go with this one because it's super fun and i've got a good idea for it which non-gremlin person, entity, being other found the Bayou Bash and joined in the race? Ooh. What do they ride, and how well do they do? Ooh. I'm going to say Zoraida's voodoo doll, but specifically Prince Totem. This and is Prince technically Totem, against the rules, but I'll allow it. How is it against the rules? He's a Bayou entity. Oh, I see. But I'll allow it. Continue. <laughs> Riding... The original bad juju, not the kettle. <laughs> the frog on a mud pile. So yeah. here's here's the issue. They start out very, very, very slow. However, the juju is able to toss a lot of things in the mud and get them behind. Uh, and then sometimes we'll just stop to eat. So they don't get very far, but they get very full. That sounds fun. <laughs> and with the toss, actually, just as... The race ends up being somewhat close because, you know, Juju's breaking legs, extending its reach, etc., etc. Just as everybody's about to cross the finish line, Juju actually, like, gets stuck by, like, you know, a log or a branch or something. But it flings Totem forward so that Totem actually the wins finish. the race for the photo finish. Fabulous. When asked what he was going to do next after the win, he said, Burber. <laughs> <laughs> And you know the gremlins they don't see a problem because I mean he's a green skin. Yeah. Looks like a gremlin to them. Is it uh mm-hmm. is it me now? It is you. Who's your Jackie? Alright. I'm gonna go with Nexus. Ooh, okay. <laughs> because Nexus sees a whole lot of living entities surrounding one area and wants to get involved. And so you have some either either Nexus themselves or, you know, a whatever eyes and ears or whatever possessed person uh riding a giant fucking spider through the uh through the bayou they have the advantage of being able to like go up walls and shit you 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 stole my answer for an unrelated reason oh (laughs) (laughs) i apologize no it's fine and they do they do incredibly well because they've actually possessed all of the other riders beforehand and uh so no matter who wins they win exactly it's always a win for Nexus. Oh, this one's frustrating because I had so many good answers, like, immediately, but I had to go with probably the creepiest one. When in doubt, go creepy. I mean, your answer made me think of another one, so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, for me, I think the jockey is the jackalope. <laughs> go on. And his mount is Paul Crockett. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be a stickler like Nate, isn't that a Bayou entity? Incorrect, sadly. <laughs> one day he'll get the other four factions nate yep. one day um but yeah no I, I imagine him like the the jackalopes running him around and paul starts the race like still trying to be a human uh but every time he like gets hit or run off the board he gets a little more like rabid and crazy and ready to go nuts so eventually like every time he gets hit he goes a little bit faster oh, loses a little bit more control and every time he hits someone, they go further. Yes. Uh, the, wor- the worst part is, because of how they name things in Bayou Bash, the card would just be the human. 
<laughs> no, no, no. The human? Human? Question <laughs> mark? All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to elaborate on my first answer, which was um, the archivist writing the Night Silk Creeper. Yeah. The, the reason I jumped to Spider, slightly different from Eli, was that, you know the stories of the cranberry bogs? Yes. Where they flood them? And the the spiders, you know, all start climbing out. Yeah, that's basically the Night Silk Creeper in 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 the Bayou Bash, just like running across the water trying to like find purchase, and the driest ground is past the finish line. I love this. That's that's the reason I thought of of a spider for the Bayou Bash. But my new answer, I'm gonna stay in Explorer Society, is just Yedza riding Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. She's not even there to win. Sometimes she does because you know. The writers Slow and steady. just do things, yeah, and she just kind of keeps going at pace, just completely, basically unstoppable, just keeps going, and sometimes that's the winning move. <laughs> I like to think that those are actually the most chaotic ones, because all of the writers actually survive until the end. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can we, do we have enough time to just do a, a second round for everyone? Sure, Yeah, go, go for it. Go for it. Rob, right. give all us right. any more you have. Dump them out. So... I really like the idea of like a really re- like somebody who's like a really fast like known fast like you know creature as you know a jockey like a windgammon or desper. However, they're riding a tortoise. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's the uh, Alta Izamu? Yeah, the Alta Izamu. Genbu. Yes. Yeah, Genbu. Genbu. Yeah, they're riding Genbu, who's just like trudging along like fine. Actually, there you go. Genbu with a Kadash hero on top. Nice. And then the other one that I thought of that would be really, really fun and interesting is either a Banraku, a Wicked Doll, or a Marionette riding the Bandersnatch. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's cute. That's or adorable. Spiders. Just whole spider race. Let's go. Yep. God. All right. Uh, I've, got, I've got two more answers, one of which is Miranda wants to join. So she has Marcus go into beast mode and she rides him. <laughs> In the race this time, I mean. Aha, okay. <laughs> Some meow kiss. Yes. And my other one is Lucius is looking to get a bit more control in the bayou because they are causing him problems. And so it turns out the best way to gain influence is by winning this stupid fucking race. Oh no. <laughs> so we've got Lucius riding in a palanquin with just a bunch of servants carrying him through this fucking marsh. And he's so angry, and he has snipers just taking out the other riders, because fuck it, I have to do this, but I don't actually have to get inside this if I don't have to. I'm just imagining four witchling thralls (laughs) (laughs) running the palakin. Oh no. Well, quickly changing from Sonya riding a a, a witchling thrall, (laughs) which was my secondary answer. Um, I think we're going to entirely shift gears, and since Brewmaster is no longer being their man on the inside, uh, the Thunders are trying to, once again, build influence in the bayou by joining this race. And they sent as their jockeying emissary, not the actual emissary, but the Kamatachi riding a Dawn Serpent. Okay. I thought you were going <laughs> to steal my answer. Because <laughs> my answer... Because he's, you know, at this point, thoroughly unloved by the Ten Thunders. We're going to take the Yasunori. He's a jockey now. (laughs) (laughs) But but what's he riding? (laughs) What is the the Kabuki warrior on the horse riding, Nate? Another Kabuki warrior. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, just the Yasunori. 
All right, I have one more that I thought about, and then I realized it can't work because she can no longer write him. But I was going to say Kirai with Kitchener. Oof. <laughs> I mean, if she does, it's pretty questionable. Yeah. I'm just willing to assume that she doesn't, yeah. <laughs> and on that dour note. Hey, I got I had to bring it back to the lore. Oof. Yep. You, we gave you just enough rope to hang yourself with. Yep. Ah. Uh, Duh. Ah. And with that, we're over time as we always are. Of course. And uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Thank you all for making it this far. Pa Luckett, thanks for joining. Aw, shucks. Eli slash drear squid slash creepy boy of all things. Glad to make this uncomfortable for everyone. Excellent, me too. And Rob! Uh, thanks. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Roman. Thank you, Roman. You're welcome. I will continue to pun as often as possible. No, thank you, Roman. And unlike what we're all about to say now, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. sorry. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. We love you all. Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.